0: K. Shema, Shema County, LKB. It's good to be here, um, and it's good to be able to preach the Word of God to you again. It's been a while, Amen. And uh, I hope you had a great Easter. Uh, we had a great Easter. If you want to, if if you speak, if you understand English, and you want to check out some of our videos from. From our Easter sermons or anything else, just go to my Facebook page and scroll down and you'll see some of the videos. So, but it's very good that you are joining me to be able to be here uh, for this sermon. Hopefully there's a translator that could also translate for this. I'm sure there is. But today is a very important sermon. I think it might be one of the most important sermons that we talk about just because uh, it it is so overlooked by Christians and there's no good reason why. So, today we're going to look at this, okay? Mumsrekia dievo zhojio. Mumsrekia dievo zhojio. Our need for God's Word. Our need for God's Word. You know, I, I find it absolutely amazing that Christians will have, sometimes they'll own like four or five Bibles in fact I have I even have my Lithuanian one here, right and they'll own like four or five of these you know, they'll have them around the house they'll have one in the bedroom one in the living room, one in the kitchen maybe, uh, another one out you know, side you know on the porch, but they'll have a Bible everywhere. and yet it's the least read book in the in the house, you know they might pick up the newspaper or 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 their iPad and read the news of the day. they might watch a lot of television, they might get into um, comic books or. Stuff like that, and there's nothing wrong with doing any of that, if you are also reading the Word of God. And this is not just a, a, you know, a pastor trying to appeal to people that you got to read your Bible, you know. But it's it's me knowing that if you do not read your Bible you are not going to at all be able to handle the Christian life. And I'm I'm being completely honest with you. If you don't read your Bible on a daily basis, you are going to get weak spiritually. And not only are you going to get weak, but you you will end up literally um, uh, becoming very carnal Christians. Christians who live by their own desires and their own um, defensiveness rather than living by the very words of God. And this is why Christians are such bad representations of Jesus. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, why why is it that not a lot of people desire to become Christians? I, I spent some time with a guy who told me, he said, the reason why I'm not a Christian is because I, I grew up in the church and I saw the way they acted to, to each other and he said, I didn't want any of that. There was, it was, they were no different than people and the way they acted and sometimes, he said, sometimes the people outside the church acted better to each other than people inside the church. How can that be? and to me it's because they are not getting the the power and the strength and and the ability that we get from God's word you know i let, let's think of it this way i'm going to i'm going to quote to you some stories from the bible right but let's think of it this way you know Jesus, after his baptism, was led by the Spirit into the desert, you know. The Bible says it in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, you can look it up, right? And when Jesus got out there, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in his human body uh, without food. And I know that some of you maybe have gone four or five days fasting, you know, some of the strong Christians in this group, you know, that are listening right now. Imagine 40 days with no food at all. You know, and I, and I, maybe, maybe even no water. I'm not sure about the water, but for sure, no food. Right? So Jesus was out there for that long. And then Satan comes to him at the end of this fast and he begins to tempt him. And he and basically this is how he tempts him. He says, if you be the son of God. So he attempts him through his identity of who he is. Right? Who he is. Meaning that Satan wanted him to come back at him through who he was. And Jesus could have easily had defended himself as the son of God, because Satan absolutely knows that he is subject to the Son of God, right? He has to do... I mean, you, you see it in stories like the story of the demoniac that from Gadara. It's found in Mark chapter 5, right? The demoniac in Gadara, when he sees Jesus, he runs over to... Jesus falls down and these hundreds of demons that are inside this guy... Fall down to Jesus, say, "Please, let us not go to the bottomless pit. Do not send us before our time." Right, and they're begging Jesus not to to harm them. <laughs> you know, Paul. Paul, when he's dealing with um, um, he when he was dealing with spiritual issues in, in Acts chapter sixteen, there's this demon possessed man, and he gets this visit from these. These sons of Sceva, they're called, sons of Sceva. And they come in and, and they try to exorcise the demon out of the guy. They say, they say we exercise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon looks at him and says, now I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I have no idea who you are. And he, he strips their clothes off and kicks them out of the house. He knew, the demon knew Jesus and knew Paul, who who served Jesus, right? He had no idea who these guys were. They didn't have any power, right? Jesus, based on his own authority and his own power as the Son of God, could have just said, get behind me, Satan, I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, You know, you know you have to obey me, so get away from me. But Jesus didn't do that at all. Did you notice that? In the three times Satan comes to Jesus to to tempt him, F, all three times he comes to Jesus, Jesus comes back with these words It is written. Parashiti. Or pa, is it? Parashiti. Pa-resh, yeah, Parashiti. It is written. Every time. He said, he said, turn these stones into bread. Parashiti. Uh, up on the temple, right? Throw yourself down because the angels will come and bear you up. It says that in the scriptures. Satan's quoting scriptures, right? Bear you up. Protect you. He'll bring you back up. And Jesus says, Parashiti. And up in the high mountain where he's looking over and seeing all the kingdoms, and and, uh, and the glory of him, it says, just fall down and worship me, and I'll give you these kingdoms. He said, "Parashiti, Parashiti, or Parashita." It is written, you know, it is written, and that's the problem with a lot of people is they uh, is they don't realize what they have in this book. This is the true power. Jesus was referring to the Old Testament in his day, the Old Testament scriptures to defeat Satan. You know, turn these stones into bread. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Right? Throw yourself down, for angels will bury you It is written, again, Satan, it is written again, that you shouldn't tempt the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy chapter six, right? And he takes him up to the high mountain, shows him all the world, kingdoms of the world. I'll, if you worship me, you know, just bow down and worship me. I'll give them to you. it is written that you should worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve? So get away from me, Satan, and he runs. Satan runs away. Can't he can't take any more because this is the weapon. <laughs> you know, when you look at a scripture like Ephesians chapter six. In Ephesians chapter 6, you have this thing called the armor of God. And Christians love to do studies on the armor of God. Because, you know, you have all these different parts. you got the shield of faith, it's called. The breastplate of righteousness. You have the belt uh, that holds up the integrity of the believer. You have the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have the helmet that, of salvation of the gospel of salvation. And all those protect you from the battle that Satan's fighting against you and against all of us, you know. Why is this world full of evil? Because Satan's winning. And that's why we need the protection of the armor. But there's only one offensive weapon. You know, those are all defensive. You think about it. The shield is a defensive thing. The breastplate is a deep all of those are defensive things the only offensive thing is it says and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god the sword of the spirit which is the word of god is the offensive weapon that attacks the demonic forces it goes after the principalities and powers that are are in the darkness of this world, right? You want to attack them, you've got to do it only through the word of God. You know, it is the word of God that is the power of God to destroy the enemy, you know? All the other ones are good for defense, but this is the only one for offense, right? And so what I want to do is I just want to to show you why the word of God is so valuable to the Christian Okay, I could turn to many different things and do hours on study on this, but I just want to turn to one particular verse. And it's found in the book of Second Timothy chapter 3. I could just quote it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, and it's found in verse 16. Paul, the apostle, is talking to his disciple, Timothy. Right, and he's trying to teach him This is what you need to be a good pastor for the church in Ephesus. You need need these words I'm going to give you. And in it, he talks about Timothy and his great faith. You know, he says, You have great faith, Timothy. And and, uh, you know, from a time you were a child, you learned the scriptures. And then he's and then he says this. He says, All scripture, all scripture, visas. uh, Rashtas, right? All scripture. Visas Rashtas. Visas Rashtas. Is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, the, for, for the Lithuanian word for that is the word Egbe. It's a, what, I-vepti, right epti is given by inspiration or to inspire inspire it's also the word for inhale inhale you know to inhale with air right and and it also is a word that means to spark to make a spark right? But though that's a lesser meaning for it. The main meaning is to inspire. And so it's given by inspiration of God, you know, uh, ekvektos. But in the Greek, it's different. Let me show you the Greek, right? In the Greek, it's, it looks like this, uh, Okay? And that's how it looks in the Greek. Okay, and basically theo comes to the word theos, right? Which means God. And neustos is the word also for spirit, but it's also for the word wind or breath. Breath. So, Theonoustos, which is the same word for Agbepti, Theonoustos is God-breathed. God-breathed, right? And so God is breathing out. The scriptures is given. All scriptures are given by God's breath. That's very interesting, and I want to take you kind of on a biblical tour, <laughs> If you don't mind me doing so, a biblical tour. So get your Bibles ready, right? Because in the Bible, uh, the Bible is very clear on on you know God breathing and it, and it gives life. Let me show you the first one. Look at Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, and we're going to look at verse seven. Genesis two seven. I'm going to quote it from my mind. I have a pretty good memory of these verses. So it says in Genesis 2 that God made man, or formed man, formed man out of the dust of the ground. And when he did that, then he breathed, In his nostrils, what's called the breath of life, okay? The breath of life looks like this, okay? In in the English, it looks like this, oh, wait. Ruach, Ruach. Right? Ruach. It's the same as theatnustas, right? Or the word nustas. It's the same thing. It means to breathe, right? Or it could mean wind. Also, wind is the same word, ruach. Another word, though, is spirit. Spirit is ruach. So, nustas is the Greek, ruach is the Hebrew word for spirit and this is what he did he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life the ruach of life he breathed that's also the verb form of ruach into his nostrils the breath of life the the noun form and man became a living soul so how did man come alive how did man get life He got it through God's breath, right? Turn to the book of Job. If you were, Job chapter 33. This one I'm going to have to look up because I don't know it by heart, but I remember it. I remember Job chapter 33. And this young man named Elihu is speaking. And he says this in verse 4. And there's also another place where he says this. It says, The Spirit of God has made me. Okay? The Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now, in the Lithuanian, it's kind of interesting because they use the word "alsavimas," um, "alsavimas," and that's more like a breathing. And his breathing, right? His breathing, and then it and it goes on to say keeps him alive, right? Uh, We're in the New King James here. It says. Gives me life, keeps me alive, right? So it's not just made me alive, but in the Lithuanian version, you got al Savimas, the breathing of God, and and it ends up saying keeps me keeps him alive or keeps me alive, keeps me living, right? So it's not just starts my life off, but it continues my life to breathe. Right? And so I thought that was very interesting in the Lithuanian. But another verse is in Ezekiel chapter 37. So you can write all these down and look them up. So you got Genesis 2-7. You have Job chapter 33 verse 4. And then you have Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. In Ezekiel 37, you have the prophet Ezekiel standing uh, in this valley. And it's full of all these dry bones. You remember that story? The story of dry bones? In fact, I preached a sermon in Calvinist on the the valley of dry bones. Right? But you remember that what happens, God comes to him and says, Do you see these bones, Ezekiel, son of man? He says, Do you think they can live? And he says, Oh, you know. (laughs) He never wanted to answer him, right? He was a little bit worried. Oh, you know, Lord. And he said, oh, yes, they're going to live. He said, they're going to be a great army because you're going to prophesy over them. And when you prophesy over them, they're going to come up. And then you prophesy to the wind, to the breath of God, ruach, the breath of God, to breathe on them and they will live. So, So he prophesied, they came up, the flesh came on them, they were standing up, but they had no life in them, the Bible says, and so he breathed to the four winds, and or he he prophesied to the four winds, and he said, Breathe on these bones, that they, they, they breathe on this army so it may live. And and the Bible says that the breath went into them, and they lived, and they were a living, strong army. See, these are all intimated in the Old Testament. That it's God's spirit being breathed on the person or in the person, inspire, inspired, or inhaled in the person that causes them to become alive. And to, not only that, but as Job says, causes them to keep on living, right? So... It was really interesting when Jesus got resurrected. Now, we just got over the resurrection of Jesus. It's really interesting that when you look at the book of John, I wanted to show you what it says in the book of John. You see, the, the apostles and the disciples actually first received the Spirit in John chapter 20. Uh... You know, some people say that it was the day of Pentecost where they received the Spirit. No, they, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of ministry on the day of Pentecost. But before that occurred, Jesus gave them the new birth. Let me show you where that is. John chapter 20, and it's verse 22. Or know. Do the shemt and verse the shemt or do the shemt the I don't know if I said it right. Do the shemt the v? You guys will probably put a laughing thing on, on on the thing. Okay, so Jesus comes to the disciples. He presents himself before them. He says, "Peace be with you." They're all amazed that he's there. And then it says this in verse 22. And when he had said this, peace be with you, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Kvete, Kvete, right? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, while they were in, in, and Jesus had resurrected, and he came to their home for the first time where they were at. And that's when they received the power and the living uh, presence of God into their life in the new birth. Right? They became born again. And, And later they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit 48 days later or 50 days later. All right, and so, so the power of God came into them for the first time. They became completely aware of anything that had to do with God. You know. Now I want you to think about that in terms or in light of Second Timothy chapter three, what it's saying. Okay, and then we'll close with this. Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen says, "You know, all Scripture." All scripture, vistas rashtas, all scripture was given by inspiration of God. Given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness so the man of God is complete and thorough and he's ready to take on the world. That's basically what it's saying. He's ready to go out there and take on the world for Jesus. And how? Why? Why? Because it's God's scriptures, all of it, is God-breathed. So here's what I mean. Get the dusty old Bible off your shelf, right? Just get it off your shelf. And open it up. And pray to God. God, show me what you want from this book. Show me what you want. And just start reading. You know what happens when you start reading? And I, I'm not kidding. I'll tell you an experience. God's breath comes out of his words. That's what it says. God, all scripture, that's what it says. All scripture is what? God breathed. Right? And not only that, but it's inhaled into us, right? That's why it uses the word ekvepti. It inhales inside of us. It's not something that comes out of us, it's something that goes into us, right? As we read the scriptures, we're getting God's breath into us. And that's bringing living force. It's bringing what's called zoe, it's bringing life into us. It's breathing energy into us, because it's our food too. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's our, our energy source to bring, a, to, to bring food to, to make us strong again. Just like when you're hungry and you eat, suddenly you feel strong again. right? You're weak until you eat. You need to feed off of God's word. Job says in in Job chapter 23 verse 12, he said, I have not forsaken his commandments for I have desired his words more than my necessary food. That's what Job says. You know, you wonder why Job was such a powerfully strong Christian to take all that, that, um the, the tragedy that happened in his life, all that tragedy that occurred, how did he take it? Well, because he he did it by filling himself with the words of God. With the words of God. He, he valued that more than his necessary food. Right? I remember seeing a video of a group of Chinese Christians you know, in China, they don't allow Christianity. You know that, right? It's a communist country. They have a state church, but the state church gives you what you could believe in about Jesus. And of course, it's very works-related, uh, uh, very social gospel. It doesn't really t- 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 talk anything about the power of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus and what he does to the spiritual life or the devil or anything like that. It does there's no mention of that it's a very social gospel that the, the the state church preaches. So they allow that, right? So many churches have to go underground. And they showed this video of these Christians, they're an underground church. And um, and the Christians they receive these Bibles from some Christian organization outside the uh, outside of China and somehow they got into China I don't know uh, if, the, if they snuck them in somehow but they start to open the boxes and all the Christians are just overwhelmed with joy I would, I would show you the video if I were at the court and they're all they grab their Bibles and they're all like this they're all you know they're all crying their eyes are all crying yes yeah. We got our Bibles. Yes. And, and some of them are kissing. And, and, and many of them are just opening it up. And they start to read and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm reading the Word of God. I'm reading it. And, and, it, and to them, it, it's the best gift that they ever got in their entire life. Nothing even compares to it. Right? And we have five or six of them sitting in our homes and we hardly ever read them. Have you ever thought about that? We have so many Bibles. I, I myself have many. I have quite a few. I have three Lithuanian Bibles and uh, two different versions, you know, and I have several English translations. And then, of course, we have it online. We could just look it up. You know, for them, they had to risk their life for it, right? So they value it. And you can imagine that they probably memorized it because they read it so much. And that's why the Christians there could take the persecution and they could take the chance that, or they could defend their Christianity to the point where they, they'll, they'll mark, they'll become martyrs for the faith because they're willing to because they have the power of God, the sword of the Spirit with them. And that sword of the Spirit helps them in their Christian walk become the kind of Christians God asked us to be. Mature Christians that are ready to take on the world. How do you do it? With the sword of the Spirit. But if the sword of the Spirit always is in its sheath, right? If it's never out of its sheath, it's going to do no good for your Christian walk. No good for your faith. No good for growing in the faith. You absolutely need this book. It's a must need. And so I want to pray with you guys. Father God, I just ask and pray. Lord God... That you reach out to the congregation and bless them with your word and show them the, that how important it is and how much they need it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you.